Through the Lens of Decade, where I'm Shin Garrett. And I'm Chris. And today we're going way off the rails. Rails? Gone. (laughs) They're so far gone that Evan fell off of them, and he's not here. That's my my, uh, someone's not here excuse today. Yeah, that's a good one. I hadn't even actually started to think of it there yet. So, good job. And this week, Chris made me watch a thing. Yeah, I, uh, I, I suggested uh, Gotcha Man Crowds because I really like the show, and it is tangentially related to tokusatsu stuff, and we haven't done any anime yet. I feel like it's probably fair. I mean, Editor Fletch, bless his soul, did do a Gotcha Man primer. I, which I did appreciate. It had some useful information in there that I just did not Just segueing us right into this. Huh? Just seg- segueing us right into this. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I didn't know that Gotcha Man predated Super Sentai. So that, like, it the Sentai team thing was kind of emerged in anime at the same time as it did in live action. So I thought that yeah, was an interesting yeah. bit of trivia. And then we can thank Spider-Man for giant robots. Yep, yep. Uh, do you have any real knowledge or affection for the original Gotcha Man or the reboot or anything like that? Uh, I watched it on Toonami. I remember seeing an episode or two, but I... I think that's like old school Toonami too, like Moltor Toonami. That, yeah, when Moltar was the host. Yeah, I remember that. That is also where I first saw Robotech. <laughs> I watched uh I watched Robotech like a couple years ago on Netflix and like it holds up fairly well. I know like some like some people are like <laughs> like so weirdly I, I, uh I, I feel like I mean, we need to preface I, this and be like fuck Harmony Gold first of all. Yeah, it's true. Like I it's not it's it's not out of bounds to say that you should not watch Robotech because Harmony Gold is bad and what they do is bad. That is true. I agree with that. So I I'm not Okay, I, I'm not going to advocate that you shouldn't watch Robotech if you want to. I'm just advocating against doing anything that helps Harmony Gold in any way. It's true. And, like, I really wish that I could just watch Super Dimension Fortress Macross easily. Or, like, with a dub or something. But that is never going to happen. Yeah, do you know what's weird as fuck? That, like, we just don't have a Frontier release? Yeah, Frontier I mean, was like Delta a hugely release. popular show over here. Like, it was a big deal when it came out. Uh, yeah, and that's that's my excuse why no one knows about Delta, even though Delta's really good. <laughs> uh, the the one girl from it is, fr- like, the main girl from it is fairly popular, I think, but yeah. Okay, if you say so. I think I think Freya's a better Ranka, changed my mind. Uh, I was never a huge, I was always more Cheryl than Ranka Booster. Oh man, high five! And uh, Clan Me Clan. Too. Clan Clan was like the best. 
Oh, Clan Clan is real good too. But uh, okay, uh, we're get, getting a little far afield here. So, um, I mean, we're in anime now. I I feel like we're not. <laughs> I, I suppose that's true. Like, um, I mean, I guess just talking about more broadly, like anime is like my main entry into Japanese culture. Like, I I, I mean, I watched Speed Racer as a kid. Like, it's <gasps> like I've been watching anime since before I knew it was anime. Tokusatsu, like, is pretty cool and all and i was introduced to it at a super young age through mighty morphin power rangers but um tokusatsu's just it kind of has like a fall off at a certain point that anime kind of doesn't in a way i don't know what do you think i i will agree with your statement there's like a lot of broad things like because just like in the end like i'm i'm not super specific about like i'm not trying to like genre keep anything Mm-hmm. so like i'll be the first one to be like yeah doctor who's tokusatsu like it's special effects <laughs> like it's clearly it's clearly in the realm extremely like, yes I, I would be inclined to agree that doctor who is tokusatsu <laughs> yeah i i feel like i feel like genre kind of like transcends medium like there's definitely like anime and stuff that i would call tokusatsu and like there's definitely tokusatsu stuff that i would be like that's extremely anime in that way like i feel like medium isn't like super a defining thing for this right right and i guess out of the shows we've watched um like only i guess kuga is the only one that was like a really traditional superhero story like i guess zeo kind of was in a way but uh i I feel like zeo and kuga are the ones that have been like most traditionally superhero-y yeah, that's that's interesting. Like I I think like out of what we've watched, Kuga is like what I was most expected, like being like, no, this should be live action. Mm, right, right. Well, I mean you could you could do Kuga in anime. I feel like I have seen plenty of shows that are like Kuga. Like That's probably fair. I just feel like out of what we watched, I feel like that one like just leans itself more into the live action stuff. Right, right. With its like little J drama bits and you know yeah. stuff. Clearly like sent Sentai and like anime stuff has like always been like pretty close for, for about ever. I mean like and there's even the fact that like fucking um well, I should I should try to curse less, but um like um Precure and like Sentai like air in a block with you know with superhero time and stuff. Right, right. Well I guess like I guess Precure airs before Sentai and then Sentai starts superhero time, which is then followed by Common Rider. It's always weirded me out that like the later in the morning you get, the more adult it's supposed to be, when I'm like I feel like I should be the other way around. <laughs> like adults are gonna get up earlier than well, I don't know, maybe that Okay, no, wait. Now that I'm thinking about it again, that's actually 100% right. Yeah, old people don't wake up until later in the morning. Because we're all tired. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. For scratch that. <laughs> decades, yeah, of, so, decades of marketers know that uh, every adult is tired. That's true. And, like, I'm just making the point, like, th- th- there's a reason that, that Precure's, like, put right before that block. Right, yeah. They are of a piece. Like, they're... They're different, but not wildly different. Yeah. 
And, like, uh, I mean, I think that's part of what was so fun about, like, Shin Godzilla. Like, Shin Godzilla is a tokusatsu movie that's, like, extremely aimed at adults in ba- every way, basically. Shin Godzilla is a fucking masterpiece. It is a great movie, yes. Like, Shin Godzilla is, like, one of those films where I'm, like, 10 out of 10. <laughs> it's it's so good. <gasps> and yeah. it's weird that, like, if you were asking, like, another 10 out of 10, I'd be, like, Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> God, I I love the fact that that Shed Godzilla is so serious and like has so much to say, but also like Ano is so playful with it. Just because like in that intro, when the Godzilla monster shows up, and you assume that this is the goofy ass thing that Godzilla is gonna fight at some point, like he knows you're gonna assume that, and he's like yeah. having fun with making you assume that, like ah, man. He's like uh, such a. I I really respect that he never that he can like fuse his fandom and his ability to create in a way like that. That's an incredible skill. Yeah, man. I I hope that Shin Ultraman is also going to be dope as fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's a tall order, but I am super hyped for that one too. It is. Um, I, I we're already off topic, but I'm just going to make my quick point about Shin Ultraman. Um, I I feel like. I feel like the key with Shin Ultraman is like is having just like that relentless optimism that Ultraman has. Right, uh which this might actually segue us back originally cuz but um like the original name of Gachaman is Science Ninja Team Gachaman and like that's the concept in Ultraman too that like a team of like classical 1950s style two-fisted scientists are like gonna save the world with like their radical thinking or whatever boy i wish they would (laughs) yeah if only if only um but yeah that's my piece on shin ultraman um like like make it happy and optimistic i feel like that's ultraman and if you try to like not make that ultraman i think you shouldn't be doing ultraman well hey uh there's almost almost certainly no bigger fan of the in the world of Ultraman than Hideaki Anno. That's, so. that's true. Like I I have faith in Anno. I I I don't think he's going to be like gritty Ultraman reboot. <laughs> yeah, he already did that. He he already made Evangelion, so you know. Yeah, don't need true, to do but... it again. <laughs> oh god, what if it's just a live action Ava film? <laughs> They already had that, uh, they got that out of their system with that, uh, giant god warrior attacks Tokyo or whatever. That that short film that they, like, ran at the art museum that was, like, part of the production schedule for Shin Godzilla. Okay. I'll take your word for it. I don't remember this, but that sounds fine. We should probably talk about Ultraman. <laughs> Not, I mean, I gotcha, man, fuck. I'm, <laughs> I'm so lost. I'm so deep in it, I've just forgotten what we're doing. Well, um, yeah, well... I think, like, all these concepts are kind of important for, like, the stew of what the show is about here. Because, like, Gachaman Crowds, what we were talking about today, was the, what, 2013? Yeah, this was a 2013 adaptation. 2013 reboot Uh, of the Gachaman concept with almost, almost nothing to do with the original premise, really. Uh, they keep a couple character names. Uh, the guy who played the original leader of the team comes back to voice JJ, I believe. 
I'm gonna uh, be really sad if if JJ is evil. Like I feel going back to optimism, I feel like just from the first episode of the show, I feel like the show is extremely optimistic. Oh yeah, yeah. It is extremely like this is very youth culture hope punk if you don't hate the words like whatever you want to call it like this is extremely that is optimistic. the first time ever i've heard the heard the term hope punk really uh and i'm like i'm kind of down with it like it's been going around the internet for a while i know some people like really hate it but like i do think it's a little twee but on the other hand there is it is very useful to describe certain things yeah i don't know like i man like hot not even like a hot take but i feel like like just like relentlessly like optimistic media is valid as much as grim dark media oh absolutely and uh that's one of the reasons i i love the show uh they actually basically show the theme on screen within like a minute or so of the episode starting i, I don't know if you noticed it but uh like on one of the signs in the subway that the so dude is I, writing I... It says. I know uh, the theme of the show because you told me the theme of the show. <laughs> well, well, like I said, the the on the on one of the subway sides it says "Heroes don't update the world, we do." That is like literally the theme of the show. That is going to yeah. be the entire premise. Well, and it's it's immediately followed by like basically the idea of like uh, crowdsourcing to solve problems. Right, right, yeah. Um, that is yeah part of the premise of the show is that in this world there is a social media app called Galax. That is basically, like, you just put, it like, it, essentially you just, like, type into it if you have a problem, and it just immediately sends that information to anyone in the area who might be able to help you with that. So it's just, like, crowdsourced community living together, community assistance, and, like, this is such an incredibly oh, optimistic idea in seven years later that I'm, like... Oh, God. <laughs> right. So I know I'm going off off top again, but but the way you described that reminded me of um of a pair of books that I read, i.e. listened to, um, done by an author that kind of explores a similar idea. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's Damon, like the computer term for like a Damon. Yeah. Followed by Freedom TM. Okay. And and the premise kind of just turns into like um, it's basically about like this rich developer guy that dies, and a bunch of stuff ha- happens. But he ends up creating like an AR world where like people just start like building communities around it, and it uses like game turns for like trades, and it's all about like kind of like coming together, helping people and stuff. Maybe not like exactly like that, but it just reminded me of that. Ah, uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. Like, uh, like it's got the rules of like an MMO where the only thing yes. you can do with other players is help them with things. It's not necessarily help them, but like it was basically like this weird like AR MMO framework was just like given to the world. And then people started doing things like we made a community. So there's like this so people are like running like these weird like secret communities and you know underneath this AR thing where people are or at least some of them, like, people are, like, working together and stuff. That's interesting. Who Who was the author? Do you remember off the top of your head? Um, I think it was, like, Daniel Juarez. He's, uh... He's Wait, done a bunch of other books. Juarez? Like, Wares? Was that his real last name? <laughs> no, that, like... like, a pen name? <laughs> like, Juarez, like, like, the Spanish last name? Oh, okay. Well, I think that's Juarez. 
my bad. I I can't pronounce. I've always said I can't pronounce. Um, but I think that's him. Interesting. I will have to check it out. But uh... um, it's like it's it's not perfect. There's probably some like triggery stuff in like the beginning of the first book. So I just want to throw that um out there. Oh, right. It's not, from what I recall, it's not the worst, but, um, I don't know, it's just a really interesting idea of, like, where just, like, this MMO, like, rule set was brought into the real world with AR and, like, kind of seeing, like, what different people do with it. Because kind of, like, the, the crux of, like, the whole end of the second one, it, it just comes, basically, like, this one person is sent as kind of, like, a messiah figure to basically come to the conclusion of, like, is, like, does... Does like this thing that exi- exists deserve to exist? Does like this MMO framework thing and what people have done with it like should this continue to exist? Hmm. That is a real interesting idea, especially considering like just especially in the last few years, just what we've seen social media do to the world a lot of the time. So. Right. I- I, I feel like it maybe plays on the optimistic side as well. And again, I've probably described it horribly, and I apologize for that. It's been, uh, it's been at least probably since like 2013 since I've listened to and kind of thought about that book. I mean, that sounds fairly similar, or kind of similar in premise to Snow Crash. Though Snow Crash goes like a billion different ways too. Yeah, the way I found the book was I was I was looking up things that were kind of like Snow Crash and things like that. I went through kind of like a phase where I went through a lot of audiobooks where I did like the Snow Crash, Diamond Age, um, Cryptonomicon and all those. Cryptonomicon is a weird book. I do like it, but like it, it's a weird See, book. See, I, I think Diamond Age is the weird one. Diamond Age is extremely weird, that's true. I haven't listened to the whole thing, but I, I listened to like the first several hours of it and it's like that is an extremely weird novel. Diamond Age is, like, the one where I'm, like, I need to read it again to understand it. I I mean, I I guess I shouldn't say that, like, those are the weird ones. Like, Snow Crash, like, from an objective perspective, is an extremely fucking weird novel. It's just exactly the sort of weirdness that I'm, like, primed to understand. (laughs) Well, see, like, I think Snow Crash is easier to make sense of because I feel like the stuff like the kind of like the homework knowledge you're supposed to know is more like pop pop culture based i suppose that might be true that like yeah i guess a lot of stuff in there is a little bit more like pop sci sort of thing where diamond age is like i hope you know about nano machines (laughs) yeah and and cryptonomicon like they are not kidding with the we are gonna go seriously hard on on cryptography nerd stuff which i think is really cool like i i can distinctly like recall the thing where um I think I think they're in jail, but they're doing the the crypto stuff with the deck of cards. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember it was the first time I ever heard of uh, Van Ock freaking. I think where you like you can use a sensor to determine what is on someone else's computer monitor. Oh, I don't remember that, but that sounds neat. Yeah, they they bring it up a few times. Yeah, you know I really like that one. I guess like I'm I'm a passerby of uh, cryptonology nerding stuff. So I was into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm much more of like a social science type person than a, I don't know. I'm like interest. I've like always had an interest in the hard sciences, but uh, I'm like not good at coding. 
and I find lab work extremely tedious, so, you know. That's fair. Um, all right, we should, we should go back and continue to talk about Gatch. We're all over, but it's, I don't know, it's like, this this premise is just, like, really interesting, and things that also have this premise, they're just, like, interesting. Yeah, like, uh, like there's like a lot interest- that goes into it, and it it not only, like, has a lot that goes into it, it lets you bring a lot of your own perspective to the show in a way like it's got its own strong perspective but there's a lot of room for the viewer to bring themselves into it too yeah i i might be off base but i feel like this is more like i feel like the show is more about presenting its thesis than about like telling just like a serialized story uh that's fair like yeah a lot of like, not a lot of the characters get super fully fleshed out, as they would be if it was just, like, a show exploring them, or something like that. Like, it is very much about telling this one story about this one idea. Right, so, yeah, I mean... Insight, I know, group. like, connected with some people more, because it's a bit more of a traditional, like, thing happens, and we watch how these people respond to its story. Right. So and maybe like, we'll do inside like, at some point, but yeah. just from like the first episode, I feel like the focus is more about the world building and the ideas rather than the characters and what they're like taking place in it. Well, um, yeah, like basically each of the main characters is a fairly broad standardish archetype. And I don't say that as like a bad thing. Like I think like right. each of them has a type to allow you to connect with them like that's a that's a a writing shortcut so they yeah yeah you gotta so that they can get you to immediately understand these characters to get you in so they can get moving with what's gonna happen right yeah i I didn't mean this in any way like i i think i think both options are valid like i think it's just as valid to decide to focus on a universe than it is to focus on the characters there's definitely a place for both it just feels like for for generally what we cover I feel like this is the first time where it's more about, like, like this thesis more than just kind of, like, the structured thing, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, both Common Rider Decade and Common Rider Zeo, in a way, are, to a large extent, about exploring the concept of Common Rider than about, uh, like, specific characters. Like, Zeo more than Decade. Like, Zeo starts with its very specific, like, this character has a a dramatic conflict that they are going to explore through the lens of, of Common Rider. Like, Decade is very much more about, like, let's, you know, in go through these worlds and see what we find there. That's true. I guess Decade's different. And, and you haven't really seen, like, a lot of Decades really piece it more together. But things like Kuga, like, Kuga's very, like, character-driven with Kuga. Like, Kuga's about Godai. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Kuga, uh, Kuga is 100%... Actually, I I guess in a lot of ways, like, Crowds shares a a lot in some DNA with with, uh, Kuga. And in the sense that, um, like, Kuga is so much about how Godai affects the world with, like, his his optimism and his, like, his, like, compulsive need to help the people around him. And Gachaman Crowds is very much about Hajime doing that to this superhero team like that she okay the way that she approaches the world just really changes things for them yeah i 
yeah we'll have we'll, uh, that words words are hard today um no, I, I think, like, Hajime is kind of, like, a brilliant protagonist for this. Uh, yeah. And the thing is, is, like, I know some people who watch this probably immediately hate her. Because, like... <laughs> she's, That's fair. She's probably... Like, if you described her as, a, as, like, a Mary Sue or something, I wouldn't... Like, that's not totally wrong. Like, I don't think... Like, I don't really use that phrase because I think it's kind of, like, demeaning and a little sexist to anyone who's... <laughs> that we can't have, like, competent or interesting female protagonists in fiction when we don't really make that sort of exception for male characters. But, like, in this case, she is, like, very perfect and competent and, like, changes everyone around her just by the way she approaches things. So... so- so like my counter my counterpoint to that and I've said I swear I've said it like 14 times this episode is like is like there's there's a place for that. Right. I, yeah, absolutely. Like that that's I uh, totally agree. Like I don't it, <laughs> there's a way that you could per- approach like criticism where I think maybe that's valid some of the times but I certainly don't I think if you approach this show that way you would be missing out on what it's what it's doing. And like again, like I can only speak so much. I've I've watched the whole first episode, and I think I watched the second episode with you years back when I visited before. Was that really that long ago, or has twenty twenty just been the forever year? It's been a while. It, it might have been the time where, where I think myself and Cat came on. Yeah, yeah, you and Cat were both here. I think that's true. Um, but yeah, yeah, like. I mean, Hajime is also, like, probably my favorite character that I've met in the show so far. Yeah. By, like, a margin. I mean, I think she's just really fun and likable. And she's extremely weird. Like, we're we're introduced to her when she's, like, rubbing a notebook on her face. Because she just... She fucking loves notebooks. Look, I'm fucking down with our, with our cute little, like, notebook otaku. Yeah, she just... She loves paper and stationery and crafty stuff. She's just really into it <laughs> to <laughs> to the degree when like, okay, they, the, they explain that the gotcha man powers come from when this alien guy, JJ, who's like the leader of the, this team of gotcha men, he pulls a notebook out of your soul essentially. And it's like, yeah. a, it's like a materialization of what's special and unique about you. And the the Gotcha Man characters can use it to turn into these superhero forms, and hers is like scissors and crafts themed. Her design is also Magical Girl as fuck, and I'm here for it. It is extremely Magical Girl. Yeah, like we only see, I think they only have two of them in the first episode. One is hers. Uh, the other one is a much more traditional superhero design, which is uh, what the hell is this dude's name uh, sugane. Sugane. Yeah. sugane's design is a samurai like that's yeah like that's another thing of... that's really different about the show is they use samurai imagery as uh to represent like rigidity and like in like inflexibility of thought okay i can see that especially with him uh which it's just you don't see like japanese stuff doesn't use samurai imagery <laughs> to be primarily negative most times yeah fuck his uh his like ultraman outfit reminds me of um 
what was Yu's persona in Persona 4? Uh, Izanami. Or, that one. No, Izanagi. The villain yeah, was that Izanami. One. It reminds me of that. I don't know why. It's maybe the weird, like, bucket hat helmet thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the hat looks a little similar, and they've both kind of got, like, a, a primarily white theme going on. Also, the soundtrack is banging. The soundtrack of the show is fucking amazing. Uh, the intro song is, like, possibly my favorite anime intro song ever. I can see that. I... It's re- it's really good. It's, like, atonal, but it also... It starts out, like, with all these, like, like atonal and offbeat parts, but then it, like, builds up to this really strong energy. It's really cool. I really, like... Listen to the Gacha Ran Crowds theme song if you haven't heard it before. Yeah, and like the battle music is fucking bomb. It's it's super good. Yeah. Uh, okay, but let's see. Uh, getting into the plot of the first episode, I, we've already kind of mentioned a lot of the stuff that happens initially. Like, uh, yeah, Sugane like grabs his. He's got like a little dojo in his house, and uh, yeah, he like starts out in there. We follow him at the very beginning. He picks up yeah. his notebook and, like, goes off to school for the day. And, like, the, he hears a voice that tells him that they're getting, like, a new person. Yeah. So, like, the, the show kind of, like, starts all, like, immediate res. Because we don't get the opening until, like, I think, like, maybe halfway through the episode. Oh, yeah, that's true. I, I guess they, yeah, they just start with stuff happening. Like, they don't, we don't get an intro for a while. I mean, they, they basically just throw the premise in this first part. Uh, <sighs> Right. Well, like, uh, when you see the Gacha Man notebook that Sugane picks up, it has the classic little Gacha Man symbol on it, where like yeah. the bird head and the G. So it's it's pretty immediately clear that like this guy is a member of the Gacha Man team. Would you say he's a member of the crowd? Uh, no. The crowds are something totally different. Oh, oh, is that actually a thing? Uh, yes, crowds are a distinct thing in the show. <laughs> oh. Oh, well, I guess I can't joke about it then. <laughs> I mean, you can't. I was just, just being a stickler. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. I mean, I, I I will be consistent and not joke about things that have actual meaning. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, we see uh, he, he rides the subway, and this introduces, like, a lot of the main concepts of the show. <laughs> just in this quick little subway ride. Uh, yeah, it has the Galax. thing that you said with um, heroes aren't whatever they're they're you. Uh, yeah, he- uh, heroes don't update the world. We do is uh, what it says yeah. on there. Like it ha- shows example of the phone system working. Yeah, Hajime is going to start using that as a catchphrase eventually. That's pretty cute. Uh, there's like a bit where like this guy sees a lady's pregnant and she's standing up, so he asks this guy to move, and he looks kind of like like thuggish so they think it seems like it's gonna be a fight but then he just moves and grumbles so and she's like oh thank you and he's like oh i did a good thing helping people is good yep so so then their their notebook is also just the same as the phone where it's just a giant group text uh yeah (laughs) it is kind of funny when uh when hajime gets down to the base later uh OD explains that, like, oh man, these notebooks, they can use them to send messages to each other, and anything you write in them goes out to, uh, like, the rest of us. I'm like, yeah, the super advanced alien soul technology of a cell phone. Yeah, like, when this came up, I'm like, 
I, I immediately thought, I'm like, is there going to be, like, some weird, like, phone versus, like, note conflict thing that they're setting up here? Not really. Because, <laughs> the, like, they're kind of super similar. Yeah, I mean, it is basically just a cell phone. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that's really different about it is that, like, the, the notebooks kind of represent the unity that the gotcha men have with each other, that they've... That they've got this connection that they always have. Uh, but that they're all that, fucking like, dorks that use paper? <laughs> there's not like... there. It's not like a the note is, notebook is good, cell phones are evil thing. Like, that, that's not gonna happen. Cool. Uh, and, okay, so after that we meet our next two uh, Gotcha Man team members in the, int- uh, the intro sequence here. One yeah, is the whole Utsutsu. thing is like... Uh... Uh, she is a... She is a squid girl. She, I mean, is is that why she's in a swimsuit all the time? She is not literally. She does wear a swimsuit when she is at the base most of the time. She's not literally a squid person. Her hair just has like the little arrow shape to it. And she, oh, I mean, you could have told me she was a squid alien, and I would have believed you. Uh, when you see her gotcha man form, like her gotcha man form is pretty pretty squiddy. Yeah. She is what I'm going to point to as the early 2010s fan service character. <laughs> you are not wrong. Uh, that's that's not inaccurate. <laughs> um, so your your mileage may vary. Uh, she is like yeah she she her thing is constantly saying utsutsushimas. There's like a translator's note about this on the DVD, uh, where it's like utsutsu can mean like reverie or um or like being spaced out but it can also mean being depressed yeah it had the same translator's note on the high dive subs yeah so her yeah so she's kind of like a spacey person who's always seems a little disconnected from people but uh yeah like they'll they'll do an episode about her later on and we also briefly see Joe, who looks like a real a real dork. He's like sitting around, and he's got like dramatic green hair. Uh, Do you know who Joe looks like, or reminds me of? Man, actually, this this doesn't work out now that I think about it. But I was gonna say the dude from uh, Tiger and Bunny. Oh, you mean um the the guy who is Bunny Barnaby? Yeah. He does kind of, yeah, a little bit. But that guy is blonde. I, I very, I think of him as like his blondness is intrinsic to his humanity. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> but anyway, so like in the intro sequence, they're following a guy who is like super spaced out looking. It kind of seems like, and they have some sort of mission to do something to this person. Uh, from there, we cut away to the actual like main character of the show, who we will be following for a while. This is Hajime, and she is sitting at her desk at school and really, really enjoying these notebooks she has. And there's nothing wrong with being a fan of notebooks. <laughs> like what you like. <laughs> Yeah, like, she's rubbing them on her face and kind of being like, oh man, Mm-mm. notebooks. 
uh there are so like some other girls walk up to her and are like why are you so into this and she's just like i just i just like i have to have different notebooks for different things like this one i write my private thoughts in this one's for brainstorming and this one i just like how it looks yeah <laughs> it is uh certainly a character intro i have nothing to say she she is a cute kanky girl that is doing cute things and likes paper. <laughs> yeah, she's like big into stationery and stuff. Uh, so she like decides to go out and have her lunch on the roof. On the way by, she hears uh, two guys that are like look like they're reading their cell phones and chatting about there have been urban legends about Gotcha Man going around recently, and so she starts chanting Gotcha Gotcha to herself. Yeah, yeah. Because she goes to the roof to eat her eat her lunch and take out her notebook. Um, and she walks past some dudes where they looked up something on the occult yesterday, and they're just like, "Yeah, aliens are fine or whatever." But Gotcha Man, pff, they ain't real. Yeah, they're like Gotcha Man aren't real. And is this the bit with the panda where they see like the picture of the panda and they're just like, "That's not an alien. No, that's, that's a later. panda." Right, but uh, on the on the roof here, uh, she's chilling out, eating her lunch, and then uh, uh, a giant, giant gray person in like a blue kimono shows up and starts teleporting everywhere. I think like before that too, she talks about how she's super hungry and barely eats her food. What up with that? Uh, I was also. Yeah, I noticed that too. She's like, oh, I'm so hungry, and she's just not eating her lunch, so... I I mean, I think the idea is, is that she's just, like, looking for something new and exciting to happen in her life. Okay. I mean, the fact that she's, like, says, I'm hungry, but not literally for food, implies more of an existential hunger, you know? Yeah, so JJ shows up, which I'm gonna be very sad if he, like, ends up being a villain, but I'm just gonna assume he's not... Oh no, no, he does seem kind of sinister initially, but like he's not—he's not evil or anything. He's—he's he's a nice no, guy. I, I just—I just want him to be like cool guy that gives you powers. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's like nothing really sinister about him, other than he apparently can't talk like a regular person and can only talk in haiku or whatever. Uh, he t- he talks about wings and birds a lot. He he seems talking like haikus or poems or just cryptically. Yeah. Uh and so Hajime walks up to him and he's like twice as hot twice as tall as her. Like this this dude's like twelve feet tall or something. No, I think he's just super tall, because like I think he's taller than even like OD and all of them too. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I think he's just super big. And like he is an alien. But like we we aren't ever gonna go to space in the show, but there are just several aliens walking around. Hajime walks up to him and is like, "So, uh, who are you?" And she gets like wrapped up in his kimono, which looks super weird. And like, there's this pretty sexual thing where like he he like pull he like puts his hand into her heart and and pulls out this like notebook thing. Like, there's a shot between her legs where, like, her knees are shaking. So, like, this is very clearly, like, asexual experience. Th- this thing's horny as fuck and it's weird. 
it's true. It, it is like the horniness is very much there, and like it's kind of separate from the other theming of the show. But but on the other hand, I do feel like it's it's very much there, and it's got this thing where like. Like, there are several genderqueer characters that are just walking around, and they're like, that's never commented on. That happens eventually. So, like, characters in this world are sexual, even though there aren't, like, romantics. Like, there aren't going to be time for romantic subplots or anything. So, I don't know. I, I know some people, like, really connect the fact that this is, like a like, a sexual queer world in a way that, like, is weird for the superhero genre but you know i don't know your mileage may vary on this and you know however you want to see that is up to you it never bothered me i think it's kind of interesting to have characters like that who are just who like have that aspect of their personalities and it's not like dramatic for them or anything so i kind of like that but you know it's up up to however you see it i'm just like man this sure is some uh early 2010s fan service <laughs> that's true yeah i mean anime did was pretty distinctive at the time uh in that regard i mean that's not even like different from now it's, it's just anime fan service stuff it's just weird uh so she like falls backwards onto this thing on the roof and is uh just like huh well that was interesting uh well i have this notebook now uh were, were you taking this is this yours can i keep this and uh, JJ's just gone. So she start, She opens the notebook and sees all the messages that the gotcha men were writing about their mission in, earlier. And is like, huh, well, okay. So she goes to the place that uh, they were directed towards and sees Sugane starting to have his weirdo, like, uh, superhero sequence. So, like, the whole opening thing is just, like, all before the intro or whatever and it shows like the current gachaman team like working together to try to like trail this target which just looks like this random dude and then sugai just shows up and starts doing superhero stuff and he sets up this they explain it later they set up this amnesia effect thing which apparently just makes you invisible uh yeah, it's like a it's like the Men in Black Neuralizer, but it's just like constantly active around whatever you're doing, basically. <laughs> yeah, and then when they do that, like the guy that they're after turns into um, geometric shapes. Yeah, like a weird Rubik's cube with a shagath inside it or something. Yeah, that's that's a good um explanation for it. And yeah, he just starts flying, he like starts flying off into the sky until Sugane like pulls out his sword and does like a wicked lightning slash thing from way far away. And the lightning just yeah. flies around and zaps the thing. Yeah. Sugane reminds me of like a boring Kai Kisuke. A uh, boring what? Kai Kisuke from Guilty Gear. Uh, Kai Kisuke? Oh, you mean uh, Souls? Is that Souls' uh, rival character? The Lightning Sword guy. Okay, okay. I don't play enough Guilty Gear, so I don't know the cast. That's fine. Section. Guilty Gear lore is also a thing. <laughs> is is it can't be more confusing than Blaze Blue lore? Um, I, it's probably about on par. 
I forget if I've ever said this on the show, but I watched the entire Blaze Blue anime and still had. I was like, "Well, I've always been curious about this franchise. Let me let me watch the show, and I'll figure out like what it's like and what it's about." Uh, Twelve episodes later, I still had no idea what Blaze Blue was about. Nice. Watched the entire show and still not have any idea what is going on. Okay. Uh. So, but <laughs> okay. Back back to Gotcha Man. Uh, so yeah, after he does the, the Rubik's Cube lightning thingy, uh, Hajime is like, oh, hey, well, that was some cool superhero stuff. Uh, are you a gacha man? I think I'm a gacha man too. Uh, nice to work with you. And like, also we apparently go to the same school. Yeah. They, they yeah, they wear a uniform for the same school. Uh, which Utsutsu also wears a uniform for the school, even though she doesn't like, I don't think she attends the school. I mean, I haven't, I've only seen her in a swimsuit. Uh no in the fir- in the intro bit here she has oh, she's wearing okay. the same uniform Hajime is at one point but yeah uh so after that they cut to the actual song intro it is awesome as I mentioned and yeah, you see a good. ton of stuff that is not going to show up for a while fair including like everybody's Gacha Man forms yeah. Uh, uh yeah, Bergkotz is in the intro. Rui is in the Ru- Rui is the name of both the the person in the blue like shawl thing, and also the like the skirt with the glasses. Like those are both Rui. Uh, they like change clothes, and like the they're the third genderqueer character I was talking about, where they just uh walk around, um, like in public she she slash he i they don't i don't really know how they identify but uh in public they prefer to wear like uh girls clothing okay and that's the person who runs galax so they are also in the intro i see okay uh so let me see uh after the intro oh uh i i guess we we hadn't uh brought this up yet but uh, back when I originally watched the show, one thing that I that struck me as super cool about it, um, the Gacha Man stuff, uh, the superhero costumes and and uh, alien fights and all that, that's all CG. That's all 3D CG on top of the 2D stuff that they do okay. for the normal show. Uh, I think they do a much better job of incorporating 3D and 2D animation together than most other shows did at the time i was gonna say that as well because i'm because i was gonna say it did not seem janky at all right yeah like you can you can kind of i mean i guess there hasn't been a ton of it yet but you will very clearly be able to tell that the gotcha man stuff is in 3d but yeah they just do a much better job of uh compositing that stuff than most other shows do i i I think that's probably just um credit to the designs yeah. Where I think like everything's like angular and very shapely where it kind of just it makes the 3D look crisp enough where it doesn't clash with um uh the 2D stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh yeah, it's kind of down to it's probably down to the compositing team a little bit, but also largely to the uh design design work being just um, you know, designed to work well together, which is an impressive trick. Uh, this is seven years ago now, but even now, a lot of anime that do this still don't look quite that good. Agreed. 
it is still an unsolved problem. Uh, okay, so we after the intro, we go back to uh, Tsugane and Hajime being at school. Uh, they mention that Hajime, uh, like two girls walk by and mention that Tsugane is always late, apparently. Presumably because he's doing Gachaman stuff in the mornings. Right. And they walk by those two guys again, talking about how Gachaman aren't real. And Hajime just plops down behind them and is like, no, Gachaman are real. I'm totally one of them. And so Senpai over there. See? Got these Gachaman notebooks. And <laughs> Yeah, that's where they talk about um the panda, too. Right, right. Yeah, that's where the panda comes up. And I love I love the yell that Sugane does. <laughs> He's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, Sugane's like normally just like this man it, it's the arc it's a specific archetype i just can't think about how to explain it but just like the very like straight laced quiet calm dude right uh yeah and he's he's constantly thrown off by hajime's uh being weird or just being non-traditionally superhero-ish yeah uh so yeah he like pulls her outside and is like hey we have to like be secret and hide our identities and stuff and she's like, sure, sure, whatever, whatever. Sugane's like, okay, come on. Let me let me bring you to the Gotcha Man headquarters. Where we're gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go introduce you to everybody else. And uh, so Hajime is like, oh, okay, cool. I can bike there. Nope, it is in walking distance. So I guess that raises some questions about why it's so close to the school. Because but... okay. that's where the elevator is. <laughs> Uh, they get down to the uh, Gotcha Man base, and like, it looks super weird. There's just, it looks like a like a, uh, like a high school. It looks like a uh, world ends with you with... map. Wait, what'd you say? Gary? It looks like a world ends with you map. <laughs> that is pretty accurate. Yeah, I was gonna say a high school gym that like someone had just thrown weird decorations everywhere in. I like my answer. Uh, but yeah, the the world ends with you thing is pretty accurate. There are several things that look like big noise sprites. And and then we meet the crew. Yep. Uh, other than Sugane, there is Utsutsu, uh, Od, Joe, and Paimon, and or Paimon. Yeah, I, and I think I don't... that's. Yeah, I don't know how to say it. I we might just all have um uh Genshin Impact on the mind. <laughs> That's true. It yes. took me a while to reach for the joke, but I got there. Uh you know the the funny thing is is I actually pretty recently watched the movie Hereditary 2 where the evil demon god is also called Paimon. So, I, I need you to back that up real quick. Hereditary or Hereditary 2? Uh, hereditary. There is not a Hereditary okay. 2 as far as I know. I was just unsure of the context of the word 2 in that sentence. <laughs> 2 is in also. Thank you. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess Paimon is the name of like the demon god of mischief in the Goetia or something. So, Huh. I, I'm a little unclear on if that's what everyone is referencing when they use the name or what. Apparently, he's a panda, and you're not supposed to call him a panda. Yeah, he he is a he is a tiny a tiny panda man. He is like a foot tall, and his head is 
twice the size of his body. He's adorable. But he is the extremely serious team leader and does not want you to call him a panda. So, of course, we're going to call him a panda. He, he is a tiny panda man. It's super cute. Uh, <laughs> it, this is a Lady Doth protest too much situation. He, he uh, like, we will find out later on that he has lots of panda merchandise that he likes to cuddle with and stuff, so. That's very cute. Yeah. Um, Let's Cute is apparently, um, OD, like, he's a sad gotcha man he can't transform uh he right uh they'll they'll get into this later it's not that he can't he says he can't yeah he 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 says he cannot transform uh what he means is that uh his gotcha man form is so powerful that it risks destroying the world if he transforms that's cool uh yeah it is pretty cool (laughs) but he's not the tank one no, he is not the tank one. But the tank one looks like the one that could destroy a world. <laughs> the tank one in the intro is Paimon, and uh, yeah, that that's not... We will start to see more of uh, Paimon's form uh, eventually. They'll they'll like be more of a regular later on. Okay. Uh, OD does also introduce their cat as named Altier, which is like Arabic for eagle, I think. So that's or AI for short. Oh man, is and, this is this show also about AI? Uh, there is an AI. Yes. yes is it the is. cat? No, it's uh the thing that runs Galax. Like Ru- Rui has a an no. AI that it that they use to uh. That's just fucking um. This is this is just dig this is just Digimon Applemon. <laughs> uh, I still haven't watched Applemon yet. It's basically the show. We'll, we'll talk more, we'll, I, I'll probably mention the director more next time we do an episode on this, but, uh, you know, the, the same guy directed, uh, the Diaboromon Strikes Back, which I, I haven't seen yet, but it's a sequel to our war game, right? So it's gotta be interesting. I think, I don't know, Digimon movie names and what they actually are get confusing for me. Uh, you said directed by? Yeah. Director is a guy named Kenji Nakamura. Man, it makes perfect sense that he also worked on Big O. Yeah, uh, Big O, Mononoke, and Sea Control, a bunch of my other favorite shows. Yeah, Joe uh, is kind of like standoffish. They're, when they get down into the, the uh, Gotcha Man cage, as Paimon calls it, he's like throwing a bunch of darts that all land in the, uh, the, the bullseye of a target perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I like when Hajime goes to to grab Utsutsu's hand to shake her hand, she like dodges it so that Hajime just hugs her instead. And then she proceeds to just carry her around. uh, It seems like she's being standoffish, but Utsutsu's left hand will kill, like kills people. So (laughs) she she doesn't like uh, she's like scared of touching people with her left hand. Neat. But then, like, Kajime just carries her around like a body pillow. Right, right. She's like, this is this is my girl now. I have a portable girl. Uh, OD is like the... Like, Paimon starts explaining stuff, but he's being all serious, so OD starts explaining stuff instead, and he's more fun, and Hajime clearly likes listening to him more. That's fair. 
Uh, hmm. They explain kind of how the amnesia effect works. And uh, everyone's like, hey, Hajime, you're not taking this seriously. We're, this is a serious business. Uh, and like the scene culminates with uh, Paimon being like, hey, you do not write personal messages in the notes. They are for serious official Gachaman business only. And then she draws a extremely cute little panda in there. A panda which, cartoon. Which was for serious business only. Right. Uh, Paimon sees the panda and like... He he does a comic pratfall about like being overwhelmed, and then uh, and then they yeah. go to Alien World. Yes, uh, it's unclear where this next scene takes place. Kind of, I, I guess it's still underground or something. But uh, yeah, Sugane explains that basically the Gachaman's job is to be basically the men in black from that movie if you've seen it like there are aliens that end up on earth and if they don't like if they can't integrate with human society or hide from it they basically the gotcha men show up and like arrest them essentially they also have clones uh yeah the these these like clone uh trapezoid head guys that are walking around uh, they're not important. That's just like a weird background lore element that isn't really going to come up again ever. But yeah, uh, Sugane explains that the uh, the mess specifically have been a problem lately because they like absorb people. And uh, when whenever they defeat one and capture it, they have to try and like recover the people from inside it. And the success rate on that isn't 100%. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they're doing a decent job. Yeah, uh, it seems like they're doing okay. Like, they, the one that they caught earlier, they apparently got the person out of. Yeah. And around when he gets to that point in the explanation, they all get teleported to the Mind Cliff, which is like a little amphitheater that JJ sits in the middle of and yeah. uh, cryptically explains their next mission to them. JJ's a cool dude. I like him. Yeah, he, he, like, wears extremely comfy clothes and sits on a giant pile of pillows. He seems chill. He just does, like, origami and shit. Yeah. He's, okay. like, cutting some paper, doing some origami while he explains stuff to people. So, the thing I want to talk about, about the mind cliff, is, um... So, all these ga gacha people are numbered. Yes. And yes, I noticed... all have a number. I noticed that Hajime, being the newest, is 101. Uh-huh. So, um... Are there a hundred other gacha people, and do we get to see them? Uh, presumably there are one hundred other gacha people. Do we get to see them? No. Uh, that's just kind of implies more going on with the world. Uh, I was Paimon's... hoping there was like a final, a final like common ride situation where just all of them <laughs> show up to like kick something really hard. That would be awesome, but like as Paimon explains, they've defended like six other planets. I think Paimon's number is actually, like, what, three? Yeah. Yeah, Paimon's number is three, and Odie's number is 12. And uh, Hajime's number is 101. So, so like, Paimon and Odie have been doing this for a while. But uh, presumably those other gacha men are just, like, on other planets defending them. We will never see those places in this show, but yeah, apparently they exist. Okay, that's fair. Cool, cool bit of world building, then. Yeah, it's certainly, like... 
implies a lot. Uh, like, I, I would really love another show set in this universe, but, you know, hey, whatever. Uh, but yeah, Hajime just starts talking to JJ, uh, like, and it's like, oh, hey, uh, you're the guy I was with, I, with earlier. That's, uh, cool. Nice to see you again. Uh, Paimon hates this. They're like, nope, no, no talking to JJ. They're super transcendent god being. Can't no talking talk to, to god. You, you can't just talk to god. Uh, yeah. Uh, but Hajime does like, not. What's up, like, god? She, she doesn't actively disrespect Paimon she just ignores everything he says basically I feel like those are one and the same but okay <laughs> well she's not like mean to him about it she's just not listening to him okay <laughs> uh, okay I mean I was choking a little bit but yeah uh, authority authority figures are clearly just not the order of the day in uh Gotcha Man Crowd's world here. Yeah, so uh, JJ gives them a cryptic message about like the next thing being at like where four dragons run together or something. Yeah. And uh, Sugane's like, oh, okay, I know where that is. And they teleport off. He uh, Sugane teleports off to go deal with the mess. And Hajime's like, hey, I'm coming with. And she also teleports away. Yeah, the notes can teleport. They they have teleport magic. Uh, I don't. I think that's like a from home base only. They. I don't think they can just teleport. It, it's like Star Trek rules. You have to go back to base in order to. But to teleport. But they teleported to just like a street. Right, but they're they're in their home base now. Oh, okay. I okay. That's fair. I understand where you're coming from. But yeah, uh, so like they they end up at this bus station at night. Uh, they see a guard who's like, uh, "What are you kids doing here?" But before he starts to walk over to them, they activate the amnesia effect. He just goes back to staring off into the distance. Yep. Sugani's like, "I bet it's this bus." Yeah, he pulls out his samurai sword and just jams it. I, I mean, I guess he's also a kendo practitioner or something. Though, I don't. I don't think it's legal to just carry around a sword in well, that's, Japan, that's especially why it, if you're a minor. That's why it's covered up. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that's the idea, is that he carries around a sword, but he has it in a sheet, in like a, a sheath that looks like a like a practice sword most of the time. But it is a real sword, which he jams into the side of this bus and just dramatically runs down it while runs down the bus while yelling. I like how is... Hajime just watches. Right, right. I mean, the, the the main thing to get here is that, like, Sugane's doing the traditional superhero thing. That's the idea. Like, he shows up, he knows what he's doing. He's like, I will handle this in my traditional superhero way. It's uh, not even like that it confuses Hajime. She just seems so unsure about it. She's... Right. Uh, yeah, the idea is she's just not sure that this is the best approach to the situation. So Sugane starts fighting the mess. The bus turns into a, a big mess. And, uh, yeah. They fight for a minute, and Hajime transforms into her gachaman form. Shuriken scissors, much... shuriken scissors, shuriken scissors. Yeah, it's much less directly bird-themed than the others. Is it supposed to be swan-themed? 
Uh, I think uh, Sugane's is actually swan themed, I believe. Oh. Uh, her her scissors are like wing shaped though, like they're black and white wings. I think they're called. Right. It's kind of hard to describe. She's basically wearing like an Iron Man suit, but if it was a magical girl. Uh, yeah, it's an idle Iron Man suit. Yeah. That is uh, with a bunch of weaponry themed around uh, stationary crafts. Yeah, it's pretty dope. It's kind of awesome, honestly. Like, uh, I I love when she turns around and like the the pink like the the pink twin tails frame the uh, like intense eyes of the the Gotcha Man mask when she turns around to the camera. That's like a cool shot. Yeah, it's very good. And we uh, like the last shot of the show of the first episode is uh, we see someone with a bunch of red hair wearing bright red lipstick. And they're, like, ethereally glowy, standing up on a building, and they, like, just fall off whatever they're standing on while yelling, Gotcha, they're here. Yeah, they're just super excited about Gotcha Men hanging out. Uh, yeah, this is Birdcats, the actual villain of the first season of the show, so. It's like, uh, we've got the the villain that the Gotcha Men think they're dealing with, while the actual villain is just kind of, like, you know, hinted at here. And, uh, yeah, that's the conclusion of the first episode. Yeah. Neat show. Yeah, there is a whole lot going on here that we probably have just scratched the surface on, honestly. Um, yeah, I'm sure Evan will have plenty to contribute next time we talk about the show, and I look forward to that. Uh, did you have any anything else you wanted to, to cover before we uh, signed off here? Um... No, we should we should stop while we're behind. Uh, we have been recording for a while. Oh, I guess uh, I forgot to mention that the uh, the name of the first episode is Avant Garde, which again plays into that theme of new ways of doing things. Uh, and if you need a dictionary definition of Avant Garde, new and unusual or experimental ideas, especially in the arts or the people introducing them, that that's Hajime. In case you didn't get it, that's 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 her thing. She's doing that to the superheroes. Are you saying she is here to stir up the status quo? Yeah, that's that is exactly what's going on. It is not subtle. Uh, I, yeah, like Gutsman Crowds is not is not a subtle show in any way, and I kind of love it for that. Like subtle subtlety is subtlety is old news. We don't do subtlety anymore. I, yeah, I mean that's fair. I mean because then you don't have to worry about people being confused but you're like is, is this what they mean and you just be like no this is what i mean this is this is what we're going to talk about exactly look i'm i'm pro just like any any type of media is valid <laughs> you can you can tell things how you want but yeah i had a lot of fun rewatching this one i love the show and it's like oh god like the art still holds up super well and it's going to be fun to revisit with you guys i hope uh and hopefully it'll come into focus a little bit more over the course of the show like why this is relevant to the rest of what we're talking about i mean there's some people and they transform and they fight things that's true yeah they're they're fighting aliens and uh you know just like the uh the neo oh god what what were those the neo fangire
It's the show on the internet at journeythroughduckcast.com where you can see older episodes such as Kiva and there's <laughs> Twitters and links and everything. And it's kind of amazing they've never picked up on the Neo Fangire plot. I know, right? Um, I mean, they they did a Kiva movie, right? Like, what what better topic for the movie? Chris, we watched the movie. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, why make it about a guy who was just twice as tall as everyone else, and make it about those those awesome ass space vampires that they introduced at the end of the show? Well, I, I think because the movie takes place in the middle of the show, so they weren't at the end of the show. Neo Fangire didn't exist yet. You know, we've never really talked about it, but I I, I do kind of think that the fact that they, since they feel the need to do the production for the movies in the middle of the production for the shows, I think that makes the movies kind of inherently compromised a lot of the time. Like, since they're in the middle of the runtime of the show, like, they just can't be very good most of the time. Eh. I don't know. They're... Yeah, I don't know. That That's a conversation for itself. <laughs> I mean, the Kiva one like kiva's already got problems so it double suffers for it anyway we're gonna stop this crazy podcast before we get even more off the rails uh next week we will re we'll be back on the rails with some more ryuki probably yeah that sounds right um until next time we've just been passing through podcast remember that gotcha man go and stop.